You're listening to the weekly sermon from Antioch East Baptist Church, located in Magnolia, Arkansas. For more information about our faith and local congregation, visit AntiochEast.com. Turn your Bibles to Romans, please. Chapter 1, as we continue in our study of this tremendous book. So we're going to begin reading in verse 18. And the Word of God says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Verse 19. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools." And they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up, up to uncleanness in the, uh, in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the, for the lie. And they worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. God gave them up to vile passions for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burn in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is filthy, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. We are in a series called The Guilt of the Heathen. But in particular this morning, we are going to begin looking, begin looking at the descent of depravity. It is a spiraling descent into filthiness that we find in verses 19 through 32. Verse 18 identifies the one group the wrath of God is against. There's one group that the wrath of God is against. All who sin. Let's just make it even more particular. You. Me. The wrath of God is against every person 
in this building because every person in this building has broken his laws, has rebelled against his will, and have sinned. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And verse 18 tells us all unrighteousness, all ungodliness. Guess what? That's all we are is ungodliness and unrighteousness. And we as sinners, before we came to know Christ, we suppressed the truth in unrighteousness. The wrath of God is against every man because every man is a sinner. But Paul categorizes the all. He gives categories of this all. In verses 19 through 32, which is what we're dealing with today, he talks about the heathen. I mean, the outright wicked people. Then he'll deal with the hypocrites in chapter 2, verses 1 through 16. He'll deal with that. He'll deal with the Hebrews. The Hebrew, the Jew in chapter 2, verses 17 through chapter 3, verse 8. And then he just goes all out and he indicts everybody in verses 9 through 18 of 3, the whole human race. Paul uses, in these verses we're talking about, now let's get to our text today. In these verses, Paul uses the pronouns they, them, their, who, themselves, those. 24 times in 12 verses. And the question is, who are the they, the them, the those, the who, the those that he is talking about? It is a little bit confusing when you come to this, but it really should not be. But we have to ask, is he talking about Jews? Is he talking about Gentiles? Is it some specific group of the past that he is talking about, maybe even using as an illustration? Is it the Roman culture of the day? Because, boy, it sure describes it. It sure describes it. Is it it maybe a prophecy of some future society? Is it a prophecy of America? Sure looks like it. Sure looks like it. And I believe the answer to this is yes. All the above. He's talking about Jews. He's talking about Gentiles. He's talking about specific groups. He's talking about general groups. He's talking about the Roman culture. He's talking about the cultures of the, uh, uh, of the future. And he's talking about America. He is talking about individuals. And he's talking about men as a whole. Listen, total depravity doesn't mean you're as bad as you could be. It just means that you're totally fallen. And the only thing that keeps you from winding up in verses 31 and 32 of Romans 1 is the grace of God giving you a good mom and daddy and a conscience. So don't, before you start condemning, when we start listing these things and talking about people who are giving themselves to lust and giving themselves to perversion, don't look down your pharisaical nose. He's going to get to you next. Don't look down your Hebrew nose. He's going to get to you. Nobody look down on sinners because you are one yourself. That's the point. That's what he's doing. He's trying to convince you that you are no good when it comes to saving yourself. You cannot save yourself. In our text, Paul describes four descending truths about man's depravity. Number one, people realize God. People realize God. People realize there is a God. 19 says, Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed to them for since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen. 
Number one, we know that there is a God. You know there's a God. I do not believe that any man is truly an atheist. Now, they may say, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in God. But I believe somewhere they know. Usually they are so mad at God. Atheists are so mad and they hate religion and they try to do that. Why are people so mad at somebody they don't even believe exists? It's because inside they know he does exist. But through our conscience that's given to us by God, and some of us a better conscience than others, but it doesn't matter. There is something inside of man. The Bible says it is manifest in them. God has manifested himself to them. And right now he's not talking about creation. So let's just call it conscience. Look at verse 21. Because although they knew God. How in the world did they know God? They did not glorify him God. Look at verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Look at verse 32. Who knowing who knowing the righteous judgments of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also prove those who do. How did they know? Well, look at Romans chapter 2, verse 15. Just look at the next chapter, verse 15. Who show the works of the law written in their hearts. You go to any tribe cut off from society for thousands of years, and you know what you find? A people that have set up a religion. Why? Helen Keller was blind and and deaf and mute from nearly her birth. Now you can imagine how difficult that'd be to communicate. And Annie Sullivan taught Helen Keller how to communicate by doing sign language in her hand. She couldn't see, she couldn't hear. But she told him once Helen Keller began to be able to communicate and and all one day, Annie Sullivan, her nurse, said it's time to tell her about God. And she did. She communicated to her and started began telling her about God and the Bible. And Helen Keller, the story goes, nervously stopped her and began to sign back to her. And this is what Helen Keller said. I already knew about him. I just didn't know his name. God communicates himself to us through our conscience. Every man knows that there is a God through their conscience. Acts 17.22. Look at Acts 17.22. It says, Then Paul stood in the midst of the Aragopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considered the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you. (laughs) That's a great introduction to a good message. Amen. Why in the world? All these gods they had. And then they have this altar to the unknown God just in case they miss one. I think it's because they knew inside themselves they had missed one. Through our conscience, I believe that God shows us inside of man there is a knowledge that there is a God. Number two, through creation, of course. Through creation, look at verse 20, it says, For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are, listen, clearly seen. Absolutely. Amen. I told y'all, sometimes I get so mad I want to cuss, but I don't cuss. But where I spit, the grass dies. One thing that makes me, you know, spitting mad 
is the glory in the beauty of creation and the awesomeness of animals and biology or whatever on on History Channel or the uh, Discovery Channel and then say, isn't evolution amazing? This is the people he's talking about right here. Those are the people he's talking about right here. They deny God, they suppress God, and they even get to the point of saying there is no God, and they change God into creatures. We'll get to that. I'm getting ahead of myself. I told you I got upset about it. My friend, there is no one who can go outside and see creation and not see that something made order. It is a willful ignorance. Creation shows his sovereignty. You're not in control, are you? I mean, it's pretty obvious. You're not in control. You can't stop the world from turning. You can't stop the sun from shining. You can't stop the moon from rising. You can't stop the tides from flowing. You can't, listen, my friend, you can't stop the rain. You can't determine. No, my friend. Creation shows that God is sovereign and that he is in control. Creation shows that he is almighty. Almighty, you think of that word. We say it so much, it just we don't even think about it. What does that mean? It means exactly what it says. God has all might. He can do whatever he pleases. He's almighty. He has all power. Creation shows his immensity. The Bible says the heavens are his throne and the earth is his footstool. And it even goes further than this. The Bible says that God has stretched out the heavens. Now listen to this. In the palm of his hand. And this is the God you're going to deny? This is the God you think you're going to come up against? This is the God you think you're going to overcome and prove that he's wrong? Creation shows his character. His character. You go out and you see the beautiful flowers and the, or the lovely butterfly or the hummingbirds flying around your feet or, or you look up into the night sky and look at the stars. Even watching the, the rain as it falls and the thunderstorm, it all shows that God is a beautiful, loving God, that God loves beauty. And He's a God of beauty. He's a God of grace and mercy because He gives us these things in spite of what and who we are. He has given the world to enjoy. He's a good God. And yet man chooses to rebel against him. And my friend, all these things takes care of things like, as I said a minute ago, the natives are hidden tribes who supposedly have never heard. The Bible says they are without excuse. A French revolutionary uh, boasted to a peasant, we're going to tear down everything that reminds you of God. And said the peasant dryly, citizen, pull down the stars. But the third thing is this, and maybe the, the text does not necessarily deal with it, but the book certainly does. The third way we know there's a God is by the canon of Scripture. Conscience, creation, and the canon of Scripture. It means standard. This is, this is what we believe. The, we believe this is the canon of God's Word. Any other book, the book of Thomas, the book of Enoch, the book of whatever, are not in the canon, the volumes of the Word of God. It is Scripture. Now, let me tell you something. Nature says there is a God, but my friend, men need a Redeemer. We need a God, yes, but beyond that, we need a Redeemer. 
We need someone to get us out of the mess of sin that we are in. Creation will tell us of the works of his hands, but Calvary alone unveils his heart. Romans 10, 17, So then faith cometh by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. This this mess about I'm going to live Christ and they'll see Christ to me and come and be saved is a satanic lie. The Bible says you should open your mouth and preach unto them Jesus. Preach unto them Jesus. I've heard people say, I've heard people say, I'll tell you what, if you're not going to live it, don't open your mouth about him. I'll tell you what, if you're going to live like the devil, but you'll go out and preach the gospel, go do it. It's the gospel that saves, not your life. Paul said there are some that preach Christ out of contention and some out of love. He said, I don't care whether you preach it out of hate for me or love for people, just preach the gospel. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 1 Corinthians tells us it is by the foolishness of preaching God saves those that believe. Number two, people reject God. People reject God, verses 21 through 22. We, in essence, as human beings say, we don't like your laws. We don't like your commands. We don't like your standard of righteousness. We don't like your character, God. We don't want you. And men wholeheartedly, morally good people as well as morally filthy people, do not want the God of this book. The Bible says they ignore his glory They did not glorify Him as God. They ignore His grace, nor were thankful. Nor were thankful. Can you imagine? Graciousness. They ignore His glory. They ignore His grace. They ignore His gospel, but they came futile in their thoughts. I don't need your gospel. I don't need that. I'm a good man. I'm a pretty good person. I'll make it on my own. I'm going to use my baptism. I'm going to use my catechisms. I'm going to use my confession. I'm going to pray my rosary. I'm going to do this or that or whatever. No, thank you, God. I am coming up with my own way of salvation. They become futile, futile in their thoughts. That means vain, emptiness. My friend, anything other than Jesus alone is futile. They, are, they, they ignore God's glory. They ignore God's grace. They ignore His gospel. And lastly, they are ignored by God. And their foolish hearts, now listen, were darkened. Darkened. Why was it darkened? Because God turns off the light. One day you'll be ignored by God. I mean, some of you have been coming here for 10 years and listening to me. I I wonder sometimes about some people that they come, they leave, they don't want to be a part, they don't want to serve, they don't want to give, they don't don't really care much about any of you. Maybe you come just because your mama and daddy have made you come. It's just what you do. But you're really not into this religion stuff. I don't even know why some, some people go to church. I don't know why they do it. They don't seem to even believe it. And many people come and they hear the message in, day in and day out. And if you live in this part of the country, you hear the gospel. You can even hear some gospel on religious television. And you hear it and you hear it and you hear it. And one day when they realize they need it, they're going to turn to God and find that He is not there. 
And one day the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will rise and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And if you are not in Christ, you are not going to be in that number. Lastly, this morning, people replace God. People replace God. Verse 23, let me get back over there. Verse 23. And change the glory of the incorruptible God into the image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Oh, Brother Ron, I tell you what, that never happened in our uh, educated society. We would never worship animals or plants or stars or moons or suns. Well, you wouldn't. You know God, maybe. Maybe you don't. I mean, you came to church this morning, so maybe you have a semblance of Christian religion. Maybe you wouldn't. We think in our civilized society we would never buy into a God like Molech or Baal or some other inanimate God. Let me show you a picture here. This was just about a month or two ago on September the 17th, 2019, Union Seminary in New York City, which is started, which was started as a Presbyterian college in 1836, tweeted this, Today in chapel we confess to plants. See, we laugh as if it's silliness, but it's really literally happening. Together we held our grief, joy, regret, hope, guilt, and sorrow in prayer, offering them to the beings who sustain us, but those gifts we too often fail to honor. What do you confess to plants in your life? Well, I confess to carrots. You're yummy. (laughs) Get in my belly. (laughs) But that's about the only talking to plants I do. And it's a little weird at that, but it's not ungodly. You can enjoy food. It's a funny thing that people have to work so hard to protect and save their God, isn't it? Isn't that weird? This is our God. We better protect him. Wait a minute. Isn't it supposed to be the other way around? What kind of God is that? NBC. NBC has launched a confessional website entitled Climate Confessions. Here's their prescription for penance. Even those who care deeply about the planet's future can slip up now and then. My friend, can you not see that smacks of religion? Mess up now and then. Who wrote this law? Who wrote these rules? Who is this God we're bowing to? Even those who care deeply about the planet's future can slip up now and then. Tell us, where do you? You can go online and you can confess your faults to the climate. Where do you fall short in preventing climate change? Do you blast the AC? Yes, I do. 67 degrees every night of the year. Throw out half your lunch? If I know, I hardly ever do that. (laughs) Do you grill a steak every week? If I could, I would. Share your anonymous confession with NBC News. People don't want to be free from religion. They want to be free from true religion. Did you hear me? People don't want to be free from religion. They want to be free from true religion. They know there is a God. They want to be able to shape Him into their likeness. It was pretty obvious Jesus was the Messiah because of His miracles. He raised the dead. He restored sight. He walked on the water. He created fruit from nothing. 
And these men saw these things happen, and you know what they did? They took him and they killed him. But it wasn't because of his miracles. No, my friend, it was because of his message. His message. Not because of his miracles. Because of what he said. Because of the gospel that he preached. Because of the religion he proposed. And people do not necessarily reject God. They change God into a God of their liking. I've told you before. Man's God is a triune God. Me, myself, and I. And I don't know who is sitting here. I don't know where you are or who you are, if you're a visitor or a member, but you have rejected God. Maybe you wouldn't come out and blatantly say that, but inside you try to change God into a God that you want. One day I'm going to leave this church. I just got to because everybody dies. I'm going to die one day if that's the way I live. And maybe you'll get sick of me. Maybe you'll get sick of the hollering and screaming and you'll boot me out. I don't know, but maybe one day, one day you're going to have to pick you another preacher. And I hope that I have in these 10 years convinced you, don't settle for someone. Don't get a good speaker. Get a good preacher. Get a good teacher of the Word of God. Expositional teacher as God wrote it. And if that's not what you want, my friend, you may be one of these people that Paul's talking about in Romans chapter 1. You want a God of your own choosing. I hear people all the time, well, my God would never send someone to hell. My God would never judge people. My God wouldn't do this. That's right, your God wouldn't. But the God of this book would. That's your problem. You're an idolater. You have, you, you have broken the second commandment. You have carved a God to your own liking. And by the way, let me tell you, we are trekking through this showing how that we are all in need of a Savior. There's no one righteous, no, not one. From the preacher in this pulpit to the back pew Baptist, everyone needs a Savior. 